Hey, it's Chris Lindsay, and you're listening to Pitch List, the songwriter's podcast. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Lindsay, and welcome to Season 2 of Pitch List. Today, we interview father and son, Marcus and Levi Humman. I've known Marcus and his wife, Becca, for many years, and I'm here to tell you that you won't find two more inspiring individuals anywhere. Marcus is a multi-talented artist, musician, writer, author, and playwright. He's also one of the most talented guys to ever come to Music Row. Levi is following in his father's and his mother's footsteps as a talented singer-songwriter and socially conscious young man. It was an absolute pleasure to hang out with both of them and get to hear them play a few songs. Also, you can see videos of those performances on our Facebook page and on YouTube. So without any further ado, here's Marcus and Levi Humman. Hey, everybody. It's, hey, a, hey. it's another episode of Pitch List. we got a great show for you today. We're here at Amy Land in the afternoon. I've got uh, this. I don't think we've ever had this on the podcast. I know we haven't. Um, we have a father-son interviews today nice. who uh, I think do some work together, but also, you know, obviously work separate too. Um, we'll start first with uh, Grammy Award-winning songwriter, recording artist i wrote all this down playwright 98 <laughs> sony because music. it's it, yeah it's impressive playwright composer and author marcus humman marcus good to son, be here uh who is a, a fantastic new young artist i think he paints also i'm you're going to be a renaissance man like your father that's the right? goal i, I actually right. don't paint anymore because my middle brother is way too good he's actually a lot better than i am so i i stay away from painting nowadays a little bit but i'm trying to get back into it if i can find some time and this is Levi Humming, right going here. On? Hey, man, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> yes, we put in the audience noise after. A oh, do you do that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was preparing some questions for you guys, and usually on the podcast, we kind of just let it ramble, but I'll, I'll start off with a couple things. Marcus and I, we, we've known each other yeah. for a long time. Yeah, years. Years. Yep. Yep. And then Levi, I know I met you through the years with your dad, um, and I've watched you do your uh, your artist career and get really popular. We were talking before we started about your incredible streaming numbers. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That's incredible. Yeah, that's kind of been our bread and butter. Um, uh, streaming has allowed us to have a really cool avenue for getting music out to fans and finding fans. Um, and also, it's been a great resource for us on the road to be able to tour uh, we actually have done a lot of touring right now in London and throughout the UK, uh, throughout actually all of Europe. Um, me and my dad actually did a little uh, Writers Round series with CMA, and we got to go to Amsterdam, uh, we went to Berlin, Oslo, Oslo Stockholm, yeah. Toronto, and a few other places. So it's just all because of streaming music, getting to put something out there and having fans that are listening. And he came right back from that little trip and he just immediately got a tour on his own. He went out. You know, well, he didn't. You went out with uh, uh, Eli Young Band. Eli Young, yeah, but I mean, you went back to Europe with Christian Bush. Right? Oh yeah, and then I went back. I forgot. Yeah, that was uh, in March. Yeah, went right. back out with Christian Bush. It's amazing how much control you can now have on your career. Yeah, Marcus, think about yeah. in the old days. Yeah. I mean, oh, they yeah. had a lockdown. It was their machine. It was their mm -hmm. game, and yeah. it was difficult for artists who didn't. 
fit right in that lane yeah. to do anything else, but get that you could easily get in a position where you might feel like you're compromising yourself. Now for you, Levi, it it's a uh it's it, it's a it's a it's a free for all. Yeah. You you can make great music, put it on these streaming uh platforms and people find it right and as it turns out in my opinion people love great music yeah i think the record companies had it wrong you know that that they i think they uh, they undersold their audience yeah and they're still playing i mean they're still playing that game to some to some degree in in terms of terrestrial radio and i mean let's face it because that's their real goal is to get it played on radio not necessarily to connect yeah and if you're not playing that game i mean it's a it's a highway and it's exciting i mean I, i see it and you know when Levi left uh, his label, and it was a great label, Big Machine, you know, and they left amicably. And um, I, you know, I because I come from another era, you know, in a way, I'm like I was like, oh my god, you know, what's going to happen? And Levi kept saying, yeah, well, now it's going to get really fun because we're <laughs> we're going to make the records we want to make. Yeah, we're going to do our thing, and we're going to put them out there, and we're going to let fans tell us whether they dig them or not. And it was kind of like I don't know if it was like maybe the second song that went Stupid. out, the song called Stupid goes out. You know, and and it's just it just starts taking off. It's just on its own, you know, or, or not on its own exactly, but that's like America speaking, right? Going, like we it's, dig it, this, we like, yeah, this. direct, Do, and it's and yeah, it's direct access. You yeah. guys could cut that song and literally have it up that night, right? And that that's another great thing about it. I think it from I think personal opinion. I think it's going to make every format. Well, I think it's going to bust up formats. Number yeah. one, if it hasn't already, and it's also going to make music way better. Yeah, that's the hope. I feel it. I well, for feel me, it. it's like as a new artist, um, part of this new world, this like Wild Wild West, is that it allows you to have an artist development period that's not controlled by necessarily a big label. And you get to kind of discover your own voice as an artist. And it's really impacted not only my my live show and everything, but it's the, it's impacted my writing process and where I think my voice lands and what kind of genre I'm pushing for within my own music. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that it's, um, you've had a weight lifted of not having to put uh, terrestrial radio or radio promotion from a record label into the mix of what you're actually going to write? Absolutely. And um, that is such a good point. And also it's like you have more ammunition in a lot of ways. Like yeah. you're not relying, everything's not on one song. Um, everything's kind of like on this thing you're building and it's uh it's really like a ladder more than it is like big old hills that you're just rolling up it's like you're doing one step at a time you know just one inch at a time just trying to build well it's great to document because you're young right and it it will be really fun to watch how you do that he gets he's he's really you know what i'm saying it's going to be fun to watch as he has no barriers you know, what what he becomes as an artist. It's definitely a new paradigm. I mean, I think it's, you want to say too, just in all fairness that, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, to demonize labels, obviously. No, we don't. Because clearly there are people at labels who do development in an extraordinarily, I'll give you an example for, again, from, from sort of my era. So I got to Nashville and started being active in the, in sort of the late eighties and then uh, had my, whatever my deals were in the mid, mid nineties. But you know, one of my friends is Paul Worley, you know, who worked in different labels as a producer, then he headed up a label. And I mean, that's a guy that could, you know, I could, he can make a record and he could talk to an artist and he developed some great stuff. So it, oh, does, it, fantastic does, it does happen. It yeah. does. And also I would, to add to that, because I don't want it to come off, as you said, um, I think the record labels have shifted their paradigm. I mean, yeah. I think they're aware of this dynamic also. Oh my gosh, yeah. And they've... 
you know, they've, they're learning and have learned how to use it to their benefit also. You know, because I think on record, it, I want to say I love labels. Just so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm sorry if it came off anti-label. It's not. You know, I just it, you know I'll just say it for me. I don't want to throw y'all in there. It's just we've you know Mark, we, we've been here for a long time, and yeah. I, there were lots of scenarios where there's just this beautiful artist who doesn't quite fit in the box, and it it's very frustrating to watch. You know, yeah. Or if you or if you're involved with it, it's frustrating. But well, I struggled. You know, in my time, I struggled. I think so. But there was no. You know, I've oh. Uh, there was no Americana at the time or anything yeah. like that. And so, and that really, it, when I had records, I mean, that's what I was. And, and that's good as a writer because you can go a lot of places, you right. know, and you can play different instruments or do this or that. But back in the day, anyway, you know, it, it wasn't cool if you didn't, you know, if you kind of didn't sound like the center line, if you didn't have, right. you know, and, um, but nowadays it's so exciting. You know, the, the only negative of, of, for me of the streaming thing continues to be something that's not really streaming's fault. And that is that because of compulsory licenses, you know, they didn't really have to, they didn't have to negotiate with songwriters and publishers. They didn't really have to bring them into the, into, uh, you know, that into the, the model. And again, I don't, I really don't blame the streaming. I blame archaic laws. And, uh, and we know now that, you know, there's a big push with the Music Modernization Act to change that. And I know that these things are going to work themselves out, you know. So, I mean, when I first, when Levi was first kind of introducing me really to streaming, I was like, what's going on? You know, what is this? And and now now I look at it as like, it's like the most exciting yeah, thing it, I Yeah, it really is, of. yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm with you. I think they'll work it, they'll they, work it they, out. It bound to. They'll have to. They have to work it out, yeah. Well, a little bit, uh, well, let's move on to another topic. So you do, you guys do co-write some. Yeah, some. I feel, yeah. yeah. All right. So how old were you, Levi, when you wrote your first song with your dad? Or what, you know? Yeah. Wrote, you wrote um, alone mostly. Yeah. yeah. So at first, um, when I was growing up, you know, songwriting was a hobby for me. I knew what it was because of my dad and growing up in Nashville. Um, but I went off to college. I did nothing music-y in college and then picked up my guitar my sophomore year, started playing. And just kind of fell in love with the craft of songwriting. Okay. Um, and I was in Florida and sending songs back to my dad. And I said, you know, dad, I really want to do this. Should I just drop out of college? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, I've already paid this much money for it. And uh, so I was sending music back to him. And he was like, if you really want to do this, um, you should transfer to Belmont University. They have a songwriting program there. Uh, transfer and get yourself to Nashville. And so like the next day I sending my transfer papers, got into the songwriting program. Um, and when I got there to Belmont, um, I just had my brain tunnel vision. I was like, I need a publishing deal and I want to build songs that are great. I want a catalog. I want all that stuff. And, uh, every Thursday, um, yeah. I would write with my dad and I'll write with my dad and one other co-writer over at Warner Chapel. Yeah. Cause he had um, a busy academic schedule, sure. but he had this one day. And yeah, so, so yeah, my Thursdays, it was like, save up your best idea for your dad and this other co-writer. And, and I was, just kept inviting yeah. different people. Oh, you know? that's great. And I was hyper-focused yeah. on that. Um, uh, Desmond Child is a family friend of ours. Yeah. And uh, he came over to our house for a family dinner. And I had been writing these songs with my dad, ended up playing him some of the songs we wrote. And the next day, Desmond invites me to his office and offers me a publishing deal. And then I dropped out of college. <laughs> 
It, yeah. So that's, for, for yeah. people who don't know, who are listening to this, so Desmond Childs is like one of the most famous and most successful writers in pop music history, yeah. along with, say, Diane Warren and a handful yeah, of others. Yeah, he, he, and, and Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Jovi yeah. you know, on and on and on. Iconic yeah, and pop a producer, rock writer. Absolutely. Producer. And, and, and a, another part of that was that he, um, he was really aware of Levi for quite a while. Um, but he had a particular need for a song for a movie that he was making, a, a, a feature-length documentary. And in the context of this period of time when Levi was, you know, he was writing things that were, you know, really roots, and then he'd come over and they'd be more pop. He was really stretching, you know, as a young writer, and and it was great. And I remember we had this one uh, opportunity to write something for a scene in the movie, and we had the wonderful, the great, and, and, and not with us anymore, Andrew Dorff. And that was, and so we worked on a song for this one scene, and it was a song called Make It Love. And we just knew right away when the song was done. I, I remember we walked outside, and, and, and I remember turning to leave. I was like, you know, you've written your first copyright. You know, you really have. Wow. And it was funny. I tell this story, but we went, <laughs> he was so excited because, like, it immediately went on hold for like Keith Urban, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and, and he was freaking out and he goes, oh my God, you know, so let, let's go have a celebration lunch. So we go to South Street, you know, cause that's where you get a lot of food. He's like, what <laughs> am I going to buy? What am I going to buy? <laughs> yeah. And he sits down and he gets the menu out and you know, all the plates there, they fill too much and he orders just everything. Right. And then the food comes and we're looking at it. And what did you say? You looked over. I was like, I can't eat anything. Like, he was too nervous. He couldn't <laughs> wow. eat anything. I, was like, I can't even finish anything. Wow. That's a great story. So let me ask you this. When, when you guys finished that song, made your work tape. Yeah. Did you know at that moment that this would be a, a, a something that was going to you know travel and and do these things? This song, um, I did not know actually. I yeah, I, I think it's often the case. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had some of the yeah. songs we that I've been on that were big songs. I didn't yeah. know at the time. Well, I it was the first time I really had like used my falsetto voice. Mm-hmm. It was like way high stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, Dad, is this a little girly or like it's like, like, it's like a little like, like I thought it was like this like I was trying to be like a rocker. So, um. <laughs> And then when it, you know, like I've actually learned that that part of my voice and that part of songwriting is actually yeah. part of my thing. Um, and I just, I, I knew the song was great um, just because I know how good my dad and Andrew were in that room. And it was just a powerful song with no, a powerful message. Like, yeah. And it's, uh, it's an intense experience. You're working with two guys that are top of their field at what they do. And it can, it can, the whole thing can be disorienting. You could walk out not knowing exactly what happened, yeah. you know? Um, I, I want to backtrack a little bit. So after high school, you wanted to paint. Yeah. And then you sort of found yourself in college with music. Did, was there, did you have, I've seen this in my own children. Um, did you have a little bit of this feeling of kind of want to carve out your own thing? Yeah, I think, um, I honestly looked at music like my, it was my dad's thing. Right. And, um, painting for me was just, I wanted to be creative and I always wanted to be creative. Um, and painting was just that, that outlet for so long. Mm-hmm. And it really was just like, it was just one day. I just remember like my guitar was just sitting in the closet and I picked it up and it just, it spoke to me in a, in a way that, you know, visual painting and sculpture and everything else did not. And it was, it was like day and night. I became just super prolific and was writing over and over and over again. And I like wouldn't <laughs> yeah. leave my dorm room. And I don't like, it was like a bug took over me. It was like a complete, like an infestation. Yeah. And it's, it's maybe it's a thing like you, you needed to find it yourself. Right. And I think you that know? was, yeah. I think that was really important for me. And I think, yeah, I see that in my boys too. It, it's, yeah. they, they love music and they, they're learning to play and they're really good. There's this feeling of 
that's what mom and dad do. You know, we mm-hmm. need to go a, a little different way, but then yeah. they, but they love music. And I wonder if it might be the same yeah. situation. It felt like that. But at the same time, I look back now and I'm like thinking of every morning I was getting ready for school and that my dad would be on the piano or on his guitar and how impactful that was on me as a writer. And I think, you know, I think I was always taking stuff in and learning things even when I didn't know I was. Right. And I think right. it just, it did have to happen. It had to like bloom for itself and whatever that was. When you see that sort of obsession, like you were talking about, that's, yeah. that's probably the right area. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's, it tends to be an obsession, especially when you first get into, well, I kind of, you know, it stays with you. It does. Yeah, yeah. it does. Really it hasn't quit. left. The, no, I haven't gotten over the no, flu I yet, and I haven't either. Um, Marcus, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been a recording artist. Mm-hmm. You, uh, when I first met you, you were having, you know, you, you've, you've, you've written some, in, in, you know, iconic copyrights for giant country artists. Um, but you always struck me as an artist first, right? you always struck me as a guy who really approaches this from your heart, your soul, your artistry. And if that flows out into other cuts, that's great. Right. But that's not where it came from. Is yeah. that true? That is true. Uh, it, and it remains true. And it, it's funny because I understand that there are different uh, theories of how to approach songwriting. And there are even, you could even say um, having the artist kind of per- perspective and persona in that co-writing experience uh can hold you back, you know, that uh, I've had people say, you know, it's really what's critical thing is you, you either you aim for an artist that you're shooting for, or if you're working with an artist, you're just really endlessly catering to uh, whatever it is that they need or appear to need. Right. And I don't come from that perspective, but I, I do bring a, a level of respect to it. And my, my perspective is this, we're both artists. If, if I, if I think of it as one other person, you know, whether, mm-hmm. whoever it is, uh, if it's Sarah Evans, it doesn't have to be a, another guy. I mean, it can be somebody, and you sit down, and I look at it like the artist in me wants to spend time with the artist in you, and let's see what happens. And uh, you know, and I, I want to sing those same songs. I mean, like I sing "Cowboy Take sure. Me Away." Uh, I put a little, you're like, she said, "Cowboy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, only because I don't know if country's ready for the uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> I've got one of those. Oh, songs. I would say I sometimes do yeah. that, but that's just yeah, that's my own. No, I no, I have one that I wrote with Hillary and Amy that I have to maneuver to do it live. To this one's for the girls. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't sound that <laughs> well. Convi- it, it, it's it it's groovy in some cases. Yeah, yeah, it can work. Um, so. I think that's why you've been so successful is that you're, you're very pure in your approach to songs and your, uh, you know, you seem very, uh, very, you keep your muse close. You know, you can lose your muse when you're getting in a room and where you're, it's, you're, you're just, you know, target writing. Let's, you know, so-and-so's cutting and let's go try to get a cut. Yeah. That, which honestly doesn't seem to ever work. Well, that, that's the other side to it is that is also noting that you're, I'm, I'm not really wired that way. And so I, I found that, you know, that, uh, not that I really ever, I don't really do that, but I, I sense that if I did, I would, I would be not good at, you know, right. Yes. But also to put it, to put it in in context too, you, one of the things about that experience, if you approach things that way, is you may also find that the way that you're oriented as an artist begins to come a little bit out of phase in terms of the mainstream. And you have to be cool with that too. You And you have to right, believe that, right. well, well, maybe it'll all circle around and, you know, and someone will want to hear yeah. this kind of thing. Even as you're growing, you know, you're not trying to stay in one place, but we all have 
what we kind of, what we do stylistically. Well, I mean, like one thing I've noticed about you just in co-writing rooms is you always bring your own idea. It's always yeah. a Marcus Homan ideas in the room and waiting if you want it. If you want it. Right. Yeah. And right. it's, it's it. usually right. really present. And it's, that's something I've learned. Um, even if I'm writing for another artist as well at this like very young age, <laughs> whatever is <laughs> happening. Uh, but I always want to bring my own idea. And um, because of you, I've never learned to like want to chase whatever is like a hit right now. I right. want it just to be a, a soulful experience and also just like a genuine idea right. that comes from like my, my yeah. heart. Well, and I've always thought the only thing you can really do is chase your own sensibility, what you love, what you do. And it, you know, it's an arc as we yeah. become whatever we, we become. And if that intersects with commerciality, you know, yeah. then that's, that's the, that's the moment that you have yeah. cowboy take me away. Right. You know, and, that's when that happens, but they don't necessarily intersect. They just right. sometimes do. Right. I was actually talking about this today is like the second you're chasing is the second that it becomes uncool. Like yeah. The second that you're like, yeah. it's like, for instance, right now in pop music, people are saying like the drop is kind of going away. Mm-hmm. They're like, boom, boom, right. That like after a chorus. And uh, so like, I've been writing those drops for like five years. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I'm like, damn. Uh, but no, it's, it's like, you don't chase. Cause like by the time it gets to you, you might not be like kind of right. in, in the zone. Well, let me ask you this. So I'm, I'm quite sure with the success you're having, you're very focused on your career as an artist. Do you think it, um, you will later or do you now uh, write some songs where you think you'd like to pitch them? Yeah. yeah. I always accept. I'm like, hey, <laughs> if somebody wants a song, like totally grab it and take it. Um, it only That'll help- be part of your life, you think, right. as an artist and a writer. Yeah. And I, and I, I, really like I would be stoked for every little cut or cold I get. Sure. Like I'm always like so happy. Um, but I am like, I have my songs where I'm like, these are my songs and I don't want anybody to touch them. Uh, but I always say, a sign of a real artist. Yeah. But I, it's only, like, I mean, it is, it really is like three or four that I'm just like, these are songs yeah. that like, yeah. define me. Yeah. Um, I'll, everything I'll else punch like, in the mouth. If you try to pitch right. that yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, it's the, uh, you know, if watching this for a while, man, that's what you want to see. If it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, well, okay, that's not good. You don't know. But if like Dirk Spanley came in and was like, I want that song. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. I can write another one. Yeah, I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. It's I just, fun. by the way, like totally 180 on what I was saying. So I know. I'm sorry. I know. But, I, yeah, but it's true. No, but I just got to say. <laughs> but you but admitted Dirk's, it. Yeah, but I'm I gotta, impressed. But Chris, that's right. Don't Chris, worry. we're we'll talking about it. Dirk's too. Yeah. Because that guy's good. Dirk's. <laughs> that guy's good. Dirk's. Dirk's. Sorry. Yeah. Well, he had just the other day. I was writing with um, a couple members of a, a group, Runaway June, who I I love these girls. It's an it's a trio, and I've been working with them for a couple of years. We've written some stuff. They've cut some stuff of that we've you know they've in other words they've sort of honored the aesthetic that we've come up with you know. And they're like family, and now they've joined. Uh, uh, if I think it's okay for me to yeah, say, management. they've joined Iconic, you know, in management. So it's like all Who the they family. Join? Like I love them. It's Jennifer mm-hmm. Warren and, and Naomi. I don't know if you know these gals, and they're really rootsy. I mean, it's like, and, and as a kind of a roots-based guy, you know, they're really important to me. So I had I had worked up this one idea. I was all like, oh my gosh, you know, I've saved it, you know. And Naomi, the lead singer, is coming in, so that's really great. And Naomi's first rate, you know. I don't think it's Jennifer Warren, by the way. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Jen, uh, Jennifer Wayne, of course. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Warren. That's another thing. But uh, another good thing. But anyway, Levi, though, he. So we're like, I'm like, 
you know, heading out the door to it. And, and he goes, hey, you know, why don't you write this song about a woman telling other women that they don't have to be stars to sort of stay away from sort of the, in a way, the kind of like the visual pornography of life, you know, and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, is that you? Are you? Is that your idea? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and we ended up writing his idea. We just sat down and, you know, as soon as I told him, I said, well, you know, this is Levi. It's not actually my idea. And I was like, and I had shown them this special idea that I'd prepared for them. They go, oh, let's do Levi's. <laughs> so... You they included probably, me as a writer, you were though, proud. so I'm very thankful. Pardon me? You were proud. I am proud. And and your feelings were a little bit hurt. No, I was proud, uh, and not only proud, and also uh, I was proud, too, because I like the theme. Right. I like that theme. And and uh, and I was, I like the other idea, too. And we'll, sure, and we'll get, sure. And we'll get to that. That's, there you when go. The, when the time is right. Yeah. But you know how it is when you're working with an artist, they're, you know, it's all right in front of them right mm -hmm. now. Everything is right now. And so if the, if the if they get hot if they go yeah yep. I'm going there and and you want to go yeah. there let's go well and also you got a subject matter that has the potential to have really cool things you can explore and the song has the potential to actually do some work you that's know what, what I mean yeah. Yeah. and I always think that that's like that's actually pay dirt it's kind of counterintuitive but mm -hmm. when you get into a song that people really can that they need that they that, need, that, yeah. that that would be helpful and actually does something positive for the world those are some of the bigger songs yeah yeah you know and they included me in the right as well even well, though i wasn't go. there so it's like the easiest co i've ever had that's right <laughs> well man the, you know the idea the concept is is a big big yeah, part of it it is know? a big part of it now there's uh, someone we're not interviewing today, but I feel like her presence is here. Is your mom? Oh yeah, <laughs> your wife yeah. Becca. She's yeah. a force of nature. Yeah, she is. She's how's she much. doing? She, well, she's on the she's on a ten day run. She's out in Idaho hiking and doing with some friends, and then they're gonna go. Um, they're gonna go to Mexico, and they're you know she has. She got a lot of stuff going on. She always yeah. does. So for those that wouldn't know her, yeah, she's a yeah. I kind of want to include yeah. her. So it's she's just, an Episcopal priest. Yeah, but then she also uh, started a program called Thistle. Actually, started a two-year residential program for women who've been trafficked in America. Um, it called Magdalene, and it was a very novel uh, kind of approach. And now there's something like something like fifty cities in America now are using that as a template. But in the midst of that, she was. Uh, you know, realizing that the the women coming out of prison and you know who suffered just terrible lives, mm -hmm. they you know they had so many arrests. You know, it was the average of like seventy five arrests. So there was no. Uh, it was very difficult to get jobs. So she says, "Great, going to start a social enterprise," and from just like you know making a few candles. Now it's it's the it, I believe now it is the largest social enterprise of its kind in America. Yeah, I've yes. seen it everywhere. And I mean it's in, well, whole, it's in whole, whole foods, foods across the country. It's in yeah. um I mean lots of places yes. and it's uh really you know, yeah. And then she got interested in like, well what about other organizations around the world that are doing similar kind of work? So she and others began a thing called the Share Trade Alliance. And so when they go to Mexico, they're going to be working with a particular group there. But there's groups in Rwanda, and it's groups, you know, in 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 Asia, and there's all over the place. And uh, it's very, it, you know, and writing books along the way. She's been writing and talking about the, sort of the theology, if you will, which is very inclusive. Sure, right. And uh, so it's something that uh, Levi also grew up very much in the world of, you know, a thriving church community, and in my opinion, the best kind of church community. 
Yes, there, I agree. Or I agree. Loving and open. loving and open yeah. and non-judgmental. Non-judgmental. The reason I brought it up because I yeah. noticed on your website and on your website, yeah. you know, those are included in your sort of view of the world and who mm-hmm. you are. Right. And uh, why, yeah. why don't you talk about it a little bit? Um, just, just growing up with these yeah. two here. That so just, before there was Thistle Farms, um, my my mom wanted to employ women. Uh, and that's what Thistle Farms is, is these women with histories of hundreds of arrests on their on their records can't find jobs. Right. And so Thistle Farms gives them a place where they can make bath and body care products and these beautiful things and make a living and provide for their family and actually buy houses for one another. And it's really, truly incredible. Um, but before Thistle Farms, uh, these women were my nannies and uh, the, the ladies that clean our house because they needed jobs. And right. so I was actually literally raised by these women. And it's always been such an important thing. Um, obviously, I grew up around my dad, but I've also grew up around this. And I wanted to include that message somehow in my music. And it's going to be included for the rest of my life, no matter how mm-hmm. it goes. I, I would imagine. And, you know, it, it, and I just got to say, it's always been so inspirational. Watch your parents. And, you know, some people have a spiritual life and it's a big part of their life. But for y'all, it it's they put their money where their mouth is. You know yeah. what I mean? I would run into Marcus at Fido one morning and... He's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, well, we went to a number, a, a big party and we stayed out party until three. And I'm like, what'd you do? And he'd be like, well, we went out at 4 a.m. and gave out coats oh, all no, night. No, yes, it's true. That sounds awful. No, no. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? You got really cold. Oh, and I was man, like, I no. would like to and go I, to that party. No, but I'm telling you, it, it, you've always been inspirational to me oh, to, Chris, to, to do things, you know, to try to think of, of doing things for people. And, uh, I, I, Amy and I both have always been just really inspired by you guys. I think it's, I think it's just the best and it's great that you're going to, you know, that you appreciate that and and include that in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. because I think that kind of spiritual base will fuel you through whatever you do, wherever your career goes. It's such an important foundation to have. And um, recently, actually speaking of writing with my dad is we got to write together and wrote a song called love heals and love heals is the entire motto of thistle farms. And it's actually a book my mom wrote. Um, but we wrote this song called Love Heals and got Allison Krauss to sing on the yeah. song with us. That's yeah. right. I wanted to talk about yeah. that. Let's yeah. move into that. Yeah. So that's what, tell us about that. Well, one funny thing is actually we just opened up for Allison um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And <laughs> right before I intro this song, I was like, my mom, she started Thistle Farms <laughs> and she has a different last name, uh, Becca Stevens. So people don't always connect the two. Um, but I, I mentioned my mom and I got this huge... Like huge ovation. It was like bigger than any other song. And I was like, dang, my mom was like actually like yeah. getting famous. And uh at the merch line after the show, everybody came up to me and they're like, Oh my god, we love your mom. Like we've been to Thizzle Farms, we own this product, we have this like I was like, This is about me. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, your mother is well loved. No, and she, I mean I have hung out at things that we all go to, you know, and as a minister, you know, when someone's a minister and you sit down to talk to them at a party, you kind of have some expectations about what you should say and what you shouldn't. Right. And she is so straight talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. You're just like, wow. So we're just going to get right to it, <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> and I, I've always loved hanging with her because she, there's no BS involved with her. Man. Yeah. There's never been for me no, either. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, you've tried. Yeah. Yeah. She would be a tough one to try to get past. So, yeah. um, Let's Levi, let's talk a little bit about, I, I'm just curious um, where I, I ask it sometimes, but where do you see yourself in five years and 10 years? What kind of career do you envision for yourself? Well, I can say that 
I've actually been in the studio recently and really excited about some of the stuff we've been doing. Um, I, in five years, I have a lot of goals. <laughs> um, but that's good. I want to continue on the path, you know, that my dad lived in a lot of ways, which is staying really true to myself as an artist first. And whatever that means, whether it's Grammys or losing record deals or whatever it is, <laughs> I, I will. I want to stand both. Yeah, it's my special. Hey, I, yeah. I've had, knocked one of those out, and <laughs> uh, I am. I really do want to stay true to myself as an artist, and just you know, like my main thing now is like putting music in that I can be proud of and put play in my car for somebody if if they ask me what what's my new single or whatever. Right. Um. But I really, you know, touring is so important to me. I want to just do huge tours. And do you really enjoy playing for a live crowd? Is that, is that yeah. your favorite that's, part of that's it? That's kind of my thing is like, I used to be so scared of it. And I kind of grew up in the world of songwriting rounds was like my big, the big show. Right. And now we've <laughs> been blessed enough to tour with Michael Ray, Kelsey Ballerini, Sam Hunt, wow, um, Kit Moore, Billy Currington, Eli, uh, Eli, Young, Eli Band. Young Band. We did yeah. a lot of dates with them and we have some dates coming up uh, this fall as well. Um, but it is, it's just like, that's my thing. I, lo- I love being on stage and I love being in front of fans. And mm-hmm. I love also the ability to champion my parents and talk about that because that's such an important part of my life. And also mm-hmm. talk about Thistle Farms and figure out new ways to how to champion that. And I think um, it's just a lot of cool stuff with a platform as an artist just to continue to be creative and be. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I also like, like my parents, I want to be able to stay humble and be excited at the same time. That's a great description of your dad. Yeah, uh, he is. He's done some big stuff, and he is—he is salt of the earth, man. Man, I sound—I sound great. Yeah, yeah you yeah, do. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm sure he's done something wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't um, tell me. And and yeah. t- and t- I mean, do you uh, do you want to play stadiums? Do you want to be? You know. Absolutely. Hell, man. Yeah. I think you should. I, I think you I should say it. I'm like answering for him. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. yeah. I think you should say it. I mean, yeah. you got to speak stuff into existence. Yeah. You know, it's like. Hey, it's a good thing. I want to my my main thing I want to do right now is um my goal is like play Red Rocks Amphitheater and headline that one oh, day. Oh, that's, that's going to be my oh, no, man. I want to play that too. Golly, I'll bring you on stage. That's yeah. a magical place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just I would be so great. Now, do you Marcus, do you go out with him when he does touring sometimes or mm, not no, much? not so much. I mean, I uh, I've heard him at the Opry. He's been at the Opry four times, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh, the first time he went, he was kind enough. He actually brought me up, and we played "Make It Love" together. And then he let me do uh, um, we we Bless did we did "Bless the Broken Road" mm-hmm. together, like a duet, and uh, that was really really very special. But it's you know it's also really for me. I mean, I, I thought uh, like the last time he played was it a week ago or? week and a half ago or something. Yeah. It was particularly great. And I think Barry Beckett's son was playing drums or something. He's like, he was killing it. He, you know what? Yeah. I've, I've been hearing about him. Really good. Yeah. He grew up next door. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah Barry lived that, yeah. that first house right across there. And, uh, I met him when he was younger, but I keep hearing he's like a fantastic drummer. I got to bring up a memory for you between you and I, we mm-hmm. had, uh, um, it, and if I, you know, if I have this right, we were both nominated for song of the year in like 1999, I think. Yeah. And you at that time, you'd written, uh, co-written with with Amy and I don't know who else, but maybe just the two. I don't remember. But I remember that you guys were up with Amazed, which at that time was the single had the single longest run at radio ever, and it was like it was like the biggest song ever, 
right? And I had Ready to Run uh, mm-hmm. with Marty of the Chicks. Yep, that's right. And we went out together to the Staples Center, and I remember, you know, how exciting everything was, and and uh, and then we, you know, both lost, and we lost. It yeah, was a, I remember. Honey, I'm home, man. Yeah, it was Shania. Heart. Shania. And, <laughs> and, 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 they were, and they weren't even there. <laughs> no, they weren't there. <laughs> I remember. We were all in it. I'm we not were for all, sure you are going to win, too. Well, I didn't. I mean, I was just stunned at that point. That was my first well, single. Like I didn't the, even know what was happening. Oh, I was that's just like your first around. single? Yes. That was your, yes. Wow, wow. And I didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. anyway. But I, oh man, I remember it because we we took a bus from the Grammy Hotel over there. Yeah, and then we were all sitting together in that big yeah. row. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was BB King. I always tell yeah. a story about the BB King and Neil Young were in the, and and it freaked me out. It just freaked yeah. me out. Yeah. Well, I was so Amy and I both were so nervous. She had a box of Altoids, and we ate the whole box <laughs> in like fifteen minutes, like of Altoids. <laughs> And then it was Shania, and we were all just like, well, okay. Diane Warren was nominated. She was there, too. Was she? Yeah. And she got up and said, y'all want to go get some pizza? And we were like, yeah, let's go. Um, Fun times. Those are fun days, though. They were fun days. I have a good Grammy story. Let's hear it. Uh, So (laughs) my dad had been nominated, I guess, twice at this point for Song of the Year. It was Ready to Run Uh, just once. So Ready to Run was nominated for single... Or by a band, and it won that. Yeah, and and then it was up for but like with us. We you had been to the Grammys mm-hmm. a couple times and lost before. That. Uh, or was it once? I had been to other. I, this was my first time at the Grammys. I had been to other award shows and lost. Never, never. Yeah, won. Be right. the yeah. CMA and the ACM. Yeah, 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 I had just big loser. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. My mom was like so stressed out by all those losing things. She was like, I yeah. do not want to go to oh, I LA. I see where you're headed. You're, you're yeah. headed. Yeah. The, the next time I got nominated, that's right. Right. Yeah, so was she was so stressed out by losing at the Grammys and everything that went into it. Cause my dad is competitive. He won't show that, <laughs> but he is. And uh, I don't think he'd be that good at this if he wasn't, <laughs> but uh, she was so stressed out about like the losing stuff. She was like, Levi, you just go with your dad to the Grammys. Um, and he was up for blessed broken road. And uh, I remember we went together and I had like tight white, pants on i was like 12 years old or 15 or something like that and i had a bob marley <laughs> shirt and we we're sitting next to like ziggy marley and all these people i was like oh my god what's happening <laughs> and uh uh but we got up and uh we went to like the country the country awards which are like before the actual grammy daytime thing. yeah so yeah. it's like yeah. a daytime thing yeah. and um i was sitting there with jeff hannah my dad and um uh, bobby burt backrack no well, but, bobby boyd yeah, yeah. and uh they're like announcing the country nominations. And my dad is sitting there like this, like holding his hands, like gripping him as tight as he can. And uh, I remember the second they announced Blessed Broken Road, he just stands up and is like, hey! <laughs> and so and like walks in there. And, um, but so like, I guess I, think I, I ran up there. Yeah, you definitely ran. And cause I, I didn't, I remember it was like, I've never seen my dad move before that they changed their mind, you know, and, get him. Yeah. And, uh, but in the order of people like at the, that ceremony, it's, uh, the reggae country and then it's heavy metal. I think mm-hmm. so like when we we're going to like song of the year for pictures, like behind the stage, it was like Ziggy Marley and all them right in front of us. Uh, my dad and the blessed broken road riders and then Slipknot was right behind us. Wow. Yeah. And they all had like their full regalia, yeah. like, everything going on. And it was just like one of the most crazy, yeah. amazing experiences of my entire it, life. It, yeah. it really is crazy because uh, did you get that feeling too at the Grammys? You're, you're hanging with this group of musicians and it's, it's really varied. I mean, there's like yeah. jazz musicians. There, That's what I love about folk it. music, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, polka, there's like mm-hmm. polka classical, people yeah, there, classical people, mm-hmm. spoken word. And yeah. it, it's a, um, I don't know, just, we live in our community and we're very involved with country music. It's really weird to see all of the genres, yeah. Yeah. you know, 
And they all have like outfits too. Like that's what I remember. Yeah, I yeah. Like groups of people. Yeah, like they're all tell different. What genre yeah, you can. Well, if you, you remember can. that night, then we were we were up for uh, overall song of the year. You I said next to Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. So that. he sits next. So we. So they do that thing that they do at award shows. You know, as you know, they put you down uh, down close. And then if anybody gets up to go to the bathroom or get a drink or whatever, then they have beautiful, beautiful young, uh, you know, people who then sit quickly right. and sit down and, you know, and I remember we were sit, we were seated and I, I believe the right in front of us was like Alicia Keys, who's, you know, you know, yeah. ridiculously beautiful. Right. And to our right of the black eyed peas. And they just figured that Levi, cause at that, that time you're wearing some, some, had a it's some KDK's kind of ca- like, like a cowboy shirt yeah, or some cowboy groovy shirt. looking yeah. thing, and they just totally thought that he was the you know, like a big time artist. They're like, "Yo, man, what's up?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> like not a lot. Nice gold shoes. Hey, Justin. <laughs> yeah, we had one. Yeah, we were there. Uh, we went to LA one time for the uh, BMI Pop Awards because yeah. Amaze was up for a Pop Award. Nice. And uh, one of the rappers, I think it might have been Little John, was there getting an award, yeah. and we ended up talking to him, and it's the same thing. Yeah. He's like, we should yeah. write. And we're we like, should write. Yeah. yeah. You want to exchange oh. numbers and write? And Amy's like, Amy's like, yeah, let's write. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, love, I love Amy. We, we, yeah, we got a, Amy. I got a picture and she's standing there and he's like, Burp, and you know, with the get, with the finger signs and Burp. Amy's like, and uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's always interesting. It um, is interesting. Well, we're going to, um, we're going to play some music. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. And a huge thank you to Marcus and Levi Humman for being our first guests on season two. To watch performances from this episode, including Love Heals and Songs We Sang, head over to our Facebook page, Pitchlist Podcast, or go to pitchlistpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. <laughs>